All right. Well, as we mentioned earlier, we're in the second week of our series called Five Lies. And today we're going to look at the lie, I can't change. Uh, Change is often difficult, and sometimes we do not always see the point in changing something. And uh, recently I stumbled across a quote uh, in a message that uh, a pastor by the name of Craig Rochelle did um, on the stories that we tell with our lives. And I thought this was a really impactful way to think about change and the changes that might need to come in our own lives. And this is what he said. I thought this had a lot of good truth to it. He said, the decisions we make today determine the stories we tell tomorrow. The decisions we make today determine the stories that we will tell tomorrow. In other words, you are faced with decisions that you will make today. You are faced with things, choices in your own life, things that might need to change. There are things in my life that might need to change that if these changes don't take place, if we don't make a decision to make those changes, then it might have some sort of effect. It probably will have some sort of effect on the stories that we tell. What, what this means is if you flash forward the story and you look at your, your kids and your grandkids, some of you already have kids, some of you already have grandkids, but w- when you look at the stories that will be told to them about your life, the decisions you make today are going to have an impact on those things. And the changes you do or do not make will have some sort of impact on the stories that you will tell, the story of your life. And in some cases, uh, it might change whether you are actually able to tell those stories or if someone has to tell them for you. The decisions we make today affect the stories that we will tell tomorrow. Now, this is a time of year uh, that people seem a little bit more open to change. Uh, A few weeks ago, we had what is known as New Year's Day. And something magical happens every New Year's Day. All of a sudden, the gym gets packed. And people are motivated. People are like, oh, it's time to change. It's New Year's. Something magical happens when the calendar shifts from one year to the next. And people are like, oh, I can change now. It's official. It's a new year. And so people are more open to change at this time of the year. Now, my, my wife, Emma, is, is a darling. Uh, she's, she's beautiful and wonderful, but she's occasionally a little spunky. And uh, we had a Fishers of Men dinner in here um, back in the middle of December, and we were sitting at a table with uh, Tim and Delia Steffen, uh, our pastor and his wife. And Tim thinks to himself, uh, this had to be his thought process, he, he thinks to himself, Emma's really into health. She'll be really excited to hear about my New Year's resolutions to be more healthy. So he says, hey, Emma, let me tell you about my New Year's resolutions to be more healthy. And then he got a sermon. He didn't ask for a sermon, but he got a sermon in response from my spunky wife who said, you know, I just don't believe in New Year's resolutions. I think they're inauthentic. If you can't have the discipline to change something now, What's so special about a certain day? If you don't have the discipline to just change it now, you're not going to actually be able to change when the day comes along and it's New Year's Day. And Tim's just sitting there going, okay. And we actually, we actually, um, she, she said something really profound. She said, I just think we ought to be authentic. You're going to fail. 
And he's like, thanks for the encouragement. That's awesome. And so uh, next year, we were already kind of locked into five lies, already had the graphic generated and everything. But next year, our New Year's series is going to be called Be Authentic, You're Going to Fail. Welcome to 2015. It's going to be awesome. So go ahead and mark your calendars, uh, you know, as you make mark your calendars to change something next year, which will be coming to church every week so you can hear that message. And she's just she's just funny about that but I think there's a certain amount of wisdom in that in that we we all get excited about okay we're going to change something it's new year's but then by January the 12th which is what today most of us have forgotten or by February we all will have forgotten um, I actually made one new year's resolution this year I didn't tell my wife Um, but I I made one resolution and that was that I wanted to take a picture each day I was like, I'm going to take a picture each day. I'm going to post it on Instagram, share it with the world. Um, I've seen people do this, you know, picture a day. I thought this would be something fun I can engage in. And uh, at 11.57 on January the 1st, 11.57 p.m., I'm laying in my bed, and I go, oh, gosh, I forgot to take a picture today. And so I did not even make it one day into my New Year's resolution. I said, I could get up and go take a picture of the microwave, but the world really doesn't want to see my microwave. So I bailed on my New Year's resolution one day in. But with resolutions, with things, when we're more open at this time of the year to change, we realize sometimes that there are things that need to change. There are things in our lives that if we don't make these changes, that it's going to have some sort of impact on the story that we will tell or the story that will be told about us. And so maybe you're not a New Year's resolution kind of person, and that's fine, Uh, but today we're going to talk about change. We're going to talk about something that might need to change in your life. We're not going to go around and hand you a sheet of paper and say, this is what you need to work on this year. Um, And the, the goal is not for each of us to walk out of here today with a list of 20 things that need to change about us. Uh, the goal might just be to come up with one thing. We were sitting at lunch a few weeks ago, right before New Year's, and there was a guy there who was the overachieving New Year's resolution type. And somebody said, so what goals do you have for the new year? And he said, well, do you want my house list, my spiritual list, my job list? And we're just like, just, just keep your list to yourself. Because what, what ends up happening is we end up saying we're going to change all these things, and then we get overwhelmed and we don't actually change anything. And so the goal for today, my my encouragement for you is to think of maybe one thing that might need to change in your life. And we're going to look at that lie, I can't change, because maybe you've tried to change before and it hasn't happened. Uh, But we're going to look at some ways that we can break through that lie and, and tell a story that's a little bit different when it's all said and done. So the question is, as you play the story forward, whether you've got kids now and grandkids are on the way, or if you've got grandkids now and great-grandkids are on the way, or if you're in high school and you're just like, I just want to date. Uh, wh- wherever it is that you are in your life, think forward about 25 years. What's the story you want to tell? Is there an addiction that you need to break? Is there a critical spirit within you? Is there an attitudinal thing that needs to be broken down? Is there a habit that's not healthy that you need to move beyond? So think, think through these things. And as we go through this, uh, my hope for you, my hope for myself is that God will begin to reveal to us the things that might need to change in our own lives. Now, Jesus encountered, as we heard in our scripture reading today, he encountered a lot of different people throughout his ministry. 
And what's going on as we are going through the book of Luke is the first few chapters of Luke have really been setting the stage for Jesus' ministry. And in the fourth chapter, he goes out and goes into his own hometown and he, he makes this declaration in the temple or in the synagogue. He's in the synagogue in his own city and he quotes this passage from Isaiah about this being the year of the Lord's favor for the prisoners to be set free, the captives to be released. Uh, and it was this idea for those of you who were at the blessing service on Wednesday, Tim talked about this. It was the idea of the year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee was when everyone would be released from their debts. People would be released from whatever was holding them back in life. And so Jesus says, this is the year. My arrival signifies that the time has come for people to be set free. And so he goes out from there and he kind of goes on this healing tour. Uh, Seth is back there. When we, when we had a Sunday school class, Seth and I were a part of, we were going to get t-shirts made that were going to say healing tour 33 AD or whatever. And, uh, you know, get t-shirts made for Jesus' healing tour because that's exactly what happens uh, as soon as his ministry gets launched. He goes and he's healing people. He's encountering people with different diseases. He's encountering people who are possessed with demons. He's encountering people with all sorts of ailments. And he's setting them free. Well, along the way, he's also encountering a lot of different people who have lifestyles that didn't exactly line up with his. And these are the people that he says, hey, leave that life behind, come and follow me. Now, Levi, uh, we know him in other Gospels as Matthew. Levi was a tax collector. Tax collectors were kind of the lowest of the low of the sinful people in this society. What they would do, um, some of you might have heard this before, so bear with me for a second, is a tax collector would be charged with going to Walt Miller and saying, Walt, this is how much you owe. Well, the tax collector has to get paid too. And so the way the tax collector would get paid is he would, he would put a little padding on that. And he would, say, he would say, Walt, you owe such and such. And say, so say the government wanted, I don't know, how much does the government want? A lot. The government wants a lot. And then I'm going to go as Levi to Walt and I'm going to say, Walt, this is how much it is. And it's going to be a lot plus a lot more. And I'm going to keep the a lot more and then give to the government what the government needs. And so they, they were basically stealing from their own people. And a lot of these folks were actually Jewish people. They were of Jewish descent, but they were working for the Roman government. They were working essentially for the enemy. And so Levi is part of this group. He would not have been looked upon very highly uh, at parties of very religious people. And Jesus goes to him and says, hey, leave what you're doing and follow me. And so Levi picks it up and he starts to follow him. And he, he's throwing this party. And he's in the middle of this party and there are all sorts of other people just like Levi around because most of us tend to invite people to our parties that are like us and that we get along with. And so Levi's got all of his tax collector friends there and the Pharisees, who were the, some of the religious leaders, they're looking at Jesus and they're saying, what, what is going on here? You are hanging out with all the wrong people. And Jesus said, this is what you don't understand. This is part of our scripture reading earlier. He said, 
Healthy people don't need a doctor, but sick people do. I didn't come to call righteous people, but sinners to change their hearts and lives. Some versions say call sinners to repentance. That's literally what it means, to change their hearts and lives. So this is, this is the big thing here, is that this is why Jesus came. He's going around, he's encountering all these people with all these ailments, some that are possessed by demons, some that are held back by things in their past. And in every circumstance, he's setting them free. He didn't come for those that were righteous. He came for those who needed some help. And I think all of us this morning, in some way or another, sit there in some need of help. Because the reality is, when it comes to change, it's difficult. Change doesn't come naturally. There are habits that are instilled with us within us. There are instincts that are ingrained within us. And so change is a little bit difficult. Now, we're going to watch a, a quick video. This is one of the funniest videos to come out in 2013. It has about 150 million views on YouTube, so you might have seen it before. But uh, it, it's actually going to tie in a little bit, so enjoy. So, that was awesome. Um, this is one of those moments I wish that didn't tie in. I could just say I threw that in there for fun. Uh, but it actually does tie in. I hope you're not too insulted that I might compare you a little bit to a dog today. But um, the, the interesting thing about dogs is you, it, there is something ingrained within dogs that you talk about meat, you talk about bacon, and they're getting a little excited. You talk about cat treats, they're really getting excited. And, and they are, are just naturally drawn to that stuff. And actually, I remember when we first got my dog, we were uh, going through some training classes, and uh, some of it worked. And we were going through it, and, and there was actually a technique that we learned called leave it. And what you would do is you would put something like maple-flavored bacon down on the ground, and you could actually if you worked really hard at it, get her to leave it. And it was designed to kind of train them for when you're out walking and they come across something that they're not supposed to get a hold of, you can tell them to leave it and they'll, they'll go away from it. Because they have instincts about them that are going to naturally draw them to those things, and so you have to train them not to be drawn to those things. Paul said it this way in regards to us, in regards to human beings. 
He says, this, this isn't on the screens, but in Romans 7.15, he says, I don't know what I'm doing because I do what I want to do. I, I don't do what I want to do. Instead, I do the thing that I hate. And he was in the midst of talking about how there's this battle going on within each of us between our flesh and our spirit and how we are, we are just drawn to the things that are going to lead us astray. But God is calling us to a lifestyle in which we will change. And the reality is, is that it's difficult. And later on in Romans, Paul offers, this is in your message notes, he offers another part of the problem and starts to give, give us an idea of how we move towards change. Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. So that's the problem. Not only do we have instincts within us, but there's also a pattern of this world that we're drawn to follow. It's easy to give in to the things of this world. He says, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can figure out what God's will is, what is good and pleasing and mature. And so he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's kind of the key, is that we have to change the way we think. We have to change the way we think so we can change the things that we do so that our stories that we tell later on in life, life will be the stories we want to tell. I actually uh, had one successful mid-year resolution last year, and uh, I, don't, I don't say this to uh, brag on myself because I am still on the journey. I have much work left to go, uh, but I was listening to a pastor talk one day, and he was talking about how, about health and how you, you should stay in shape as a pastor, and I'm sitting there going, okay, okay, you know, busy schedule, uh, all over the place. I was still in school at this time. I was like, there, there's no way I can really keep any sort of health goals. You know, I was sitting there going, I can't change, I can't change. And uh, he, he shared that for him, he had a realization early on in his ministry where he said, um, if I don't make changes in my life, I'm not going to be healthy enough to have the ministry that I want later on in my life. And that really stuck with me a little bit. And he, he started talking about his family. I, I can't be with my family and help my family in the way I want to as I get older unless I make changes earlier in my life with my health. And he shared that at his gym, there, there's a sign of a doctor's office. And th this just really spoke to me because um, I'm always making excuses about how I don't have time to do things. But the sign was uh, a patient with the doctor and the patient's sitting there talking to the doctor, and the doctor responds to this little cartoon. And the doctor says, so what works better for your schedule, exercising one day a week or being dead 24 hours a, a day? You know, and, and it was just kind of this, oh. And, and what began to happen is I started to change my mindset. I started to say, okay, I can't continue to go down this path because I'm going to wind up in trouble. And so I went to see the doctor at the end of 2013, and he walked in and he fist-pumped me. He didn't really fist-pump me, but I felt like it. You know, it was, it was this inspirational moment where I felt good about it. He was a lot more calm about it. But uh, he came in and he said, you lost 20 pounds this year. How'd you do it? And, and so we, we talked through it a little bit, and I said, I made some changes. And I, I started to think differently about my health. And by thinking differently about it, by renewing my mind, I was able to start to move in the right direction. And I lost 20 pounds, and I need to lose like 40 more. So pray for me. I'm still a work in progress. But for me, it was a little sign of hope that I can change if I'm willing to think differently 
about it. And so the thought is, is that if Jesus came to set us free, if Jesus came for those who need a doctor, who need change in their lives, um, why, why don't we embrace that? Why don't we embrace the opportunity to live into the freedom that he has for us? And there's a little bit of a temptation with this for this to all kind of sound like self-help, all kind of sound like something you could get on Dr. Phil or Oprah or whoever you watch. I don't even know what those shows talk about. But th this is not just self-help. It's also a spiritual issue. Um, and what we want to move towards is true holiness. Now, that comes from Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. And this kind of, this is Paul writing again. And he starts to share a little bit more about how we change our minds and our thought process. And he says, change the former way of life that was part of the person you once were, corrupted by deceitful desires. Instead, renew the thinking in your mind by the Spirit and clothe yourself with the new person created according to God's image and justice and true holiness. Verse 23 is the key. And renew the thinking in your mind by the Spirit. And that's the key to this, is, is, is by the Spirit. And so our, our fallacy for today, our lie for today is I can't change. Some of you might believe I can't change. And, and here, here's the truth that confronts that lie. And this is going to sound a little, little different. You might be looking for something a little bit more promising. The truth that confronts that lie is, yes, you can't. You can't change. You can't change on your own. It's going to take others surrounding you, and it's going to take the Spirit moving in your life to break through. Jesus didn't come for the healthy. He came for those who needed change in their hearts and lives. And as we were praying through this week and, and thinking through how, how do we communicate this, we kind of came up with three steps, and if you have your message notes, you can follow along. And th this is the process for overcoming the yes, you can't, and the, the lie of I can't change. You admit the need to change. First thing that you do is you say, I admit that there's a need. I mean, Alcoholics Anonymous, you, you've heard the, the 12 steps. Most of us don't know the 12 steps, but most of us know the first one. The first step is admitting that you have a problem. The second part we came up with was acknowledge our inadequacy to change on our own. We acknowledge that we can't do this on our own, that we're going to need the help of others around us, that we're going to need others to light the way. We're going to need the Spirit working in our lives. And the third thing is accept the power of the Holy Spirit to move in our lives and, and to guide us towards change. It's going to take changing our thought process. It's going to take thinking through what are the stories I want to tell tomorrow. What are the things I want my kids to remember about me? What are the things that I want them to understand about who I am as a person? And so we have to make those decisions because the decisions we make today, whether to change or not change, will determine the stories that we tell tomorrow. One of the uh, better books that I've read in the political realm, um, and I, I try to remain rather neutral in my political views um, just for the help of myself, um, but uh, George W. Bush and his memoirs, Decision Points, and I think I've shared this before, uh, he began Decision Points with a chapter called Quitting, and, and the way that the book Decision Points worked 
is he went through and he shared different decision points throughout his presidency, some before his presidency, and just decisions that he made that were significant in his presidency. And he begins with a chapter called Quitting. And the chapter called Quitting was about his drinking issue that he had kind of all throughout college and through his early career. And, and he said that, he goes, I have lots of friends who drink. I don't, I don't have an issue with drinking, he said. But, but I'm starting with this decision point because this is where it all began for me. And, and I'm paraphrasing what he said, but he essentially said, um, the reason I'm starting my story with the decision to quit is because if I had not made that decision to quit, none of the other decisions that happened, none of the other things that happened in my life, the story of his life that unfolded with him serving two terms as president and being a governor before that, none of those decisions would have been possible if he had not made that first decision because he had a problem. And, and there are so many of us that it, it, dr drinking may not be your problem. Uh, it might be spending habits. Um, I, I know a family where their spending just got completely out of control and, and their, their daughter's wedding came along and, and they weren't able, able to help and it, it changed their mindset and, and they realized they had to change what they were doing and they stopped living off credit completely. Stopped living off credit. Pay cash for everything um, because they wanted a different story to be told about their lives. And, and so maybe, maybe it's a, a critical thing within you. May, I know when... Emma and I first started dating. We were riding down the road one day, and she started filing her nails. There is nothing in the world that drives me more crazy than the filing of nails. That sound just drives me up the wall. And so I just screamed. And uh, she later told me, she said, I almost broke up with you that day. So, okay. Uh, but I realized, fortunately, very early in my life that I had anger issues I needed to work through things that I needed to move beyond. And maybe that's it for you. Uh, it might be an attitude thing. It might be an addiction thing. It might be a, a habit. It might be a health thing. The goal isn't to come up with 20 things, but what's one thing that can change in your life? Admit the need to change. Acknowledge that you probably can't do it on your own. You're going to need some accountability partners in it with you, people to encourage you in your fight and accept the power of the Holy Spirit. As the band comes back up, we're going to go back into a time of singing. And as we sing these last couple of songs, uh, I just encourage you to come and spend some time at the altar. And as you come, I, I just encourage you to reflect on whatever it is that the Spirit is stirring up within you. What's the thing that you've said for years, I can't change? Maybe today is the day that God can break through and move in your life. Would you come at this time?